If you would grab a Bible this morning, turn to the book of Luke chapter 2. I know we were here last week, but let's go back. What do you say? Mary, did you know? You know, the angel came down and told her. He told her everything. He told her, you've conceived child by the Holy Spirit. He told her that the, the one who dwells in your womb will be called Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And even still, when the shepherds came to look at this child, and they said, this is the Christ child, and the Bible says Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Even after all that the angels had told her and even all that she's seen, it was still, I, I get amazed, and I don't know if all of you were here last week or not, but when I think about Solomon and what he said whenever he was building the temple, and he said, I can see him scratching his head, Nick. I can see him going, will God indeed dwell with men? Will the perfect God of all creation, will he dwell with wretched sinful men? And then I can see Mary as the shepherds come and, and the wise men come and they say, this is the Christ child. This is the one who's been born king of the Jews. And I can see Mary like Solomon scratching her head going, how can this be? How is this possible? But with God, all things are possible. Luke chapter 2, let's begin reading verses 8 through 11 again. If you're there, say amen. amen. Here we go. Now there were in the same country shepherds. They were living out in the fields and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, and here's the key part right here, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You can be seated this morning. Kirby Carpenter, lead us in prayer, please. Amen. If you remember from last week, the message that we heard was from the shepherds and the wise men. And we saw that God doesn't care if you're rich. He doesn't care if you're poor. He don't care if you have great gifts to give. He don't care if you have absolutely nothing to offer him. The only thing he cares about is that you are humble by recognizing your hopeless state without him. 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 7, just a little recap. The Bible tells us that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. The thing that the wise men and the shepherds had in common that allowed them to receive this message of grace above all other men in the world as far as we know wasn't that they were rich, wasn't that they were poor, wasn't that one was sinful thieves that nobody respected, it wasn't that the other were kings that were so highly respected, it had nothing to do with any of that. It had to do with simply that these two groups recognized their hopeless state without Christ. And when they heard that he was here, they rejoiced. 
this Christmas morning, I, I, I saved this message for this morning. I've been thinking about it for some time now. I just really got it put together um, Friday, though. But I, I, this morning, I want to take just a little closer message, a little closer look at the message that they actually received. Because I want you to think about something. The only thing that the, that the angel has said to these shepherds, look with me if you would at verse 11. This is the only thing that the angel says. All right? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this message, now, when I, when, if I come to you this morning and I stand before this church and I say, the Messiah is here. Nobody jumped up. Nobody shouted. Nobody got excited. Nobody. Now, yeah, we, we think about it. And yes, we have somewhat of an understanding of what that means. But we don't respond to it the way that these shepherds responded to it. We don't respond to the message that when we wake up Christmas morning we say this is the day that we celebrate that the Messiah was born. We don't wake up and go, wow. We don't wake up and, and, and give him praise. And, and for most people, we don't wake up and it just become the, the most celebrated day that we ever celebrate. For most of us, we throw bigger per birthday parties for our loved ones than we do as far as celebrating the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I ask myself the question, does that mean that we're bad people? Well, yeah, we're bad people. <laughs> not because you don't celebrate and not because we don't have the, the same mindset that these shepherds and wise men have. And what I want to do this morning is I want to dig a little deeper into what exactly what they heard when they heard this message. I want to see what the message was that was delivered to these shepherds that made them run with haste and they said, we got to go find this thing that we've been told. And then when they found it, they went rejoicing and telling everyone that they could tell. And it's, what was the mindset of these Christians? We know that their heart was humbleness, but what knowledge did they have that made them rejoice to this message? The only thing the angel said is, the Christ is here. The only thing the angel said is, there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and then that's it. There's nothing else. So I asked the question, what was it about this message that according to the angel from verse 10, they said there's no reason for you to be afraid, number one, and this is a good tiding or a good news, and this is going to bring you great joy. And I have to ask, what in this message produces great joy in these what was it in the star that caused wise men to see that message and when they looked at it, they said, the king of the Jews is born, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And here's what I found out. If you'll look at verse 11 one more time, you'll see that there are three key words used. There is born to you this day in the city of David a what? Savior. Savior. Who is who? Christ, the Savior, Christ, 
Lord. If you go back and start doing your research, you will come to find out, and those of you that are, have any um, time of studying the Bible at all, you'll, you'll know that the New Testament is written in the Greek language. Old Testament is written in the Hebrew language. And whenever they wrote the New Testament, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the scriptures and prophecies that they pulled out of the Old Testament, they would translate those words into Greek. Christ, Savior, and Lord. Do you know what the Hebrew word for those are? Messiah. Whenever you go back into the Old Testament, you will see that when it prophesies about the Messiah, that is the Hebrew word for Christ, Savior, Lord. The, the, the word actually means the anointed one. So whenever the angel stood before these shepherds and said, the Messiah is born, whenever she stood there or he or the angel, I don't even know if it's male, female, the angel, when the angel stood there in front of them, the only thing he said was, Christ, Savior, Lord is born, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now they had to have some knowledge of what it meant. So I asked the question, what did they know that we don't have a full knowledge of? And here's what I found out. When you go back and you look at the anointed ones in the Old Testament, those of you who know the Bible, what, what positions in the Old Testament required anointing? Anointed ones. Priests were one of them. What was another? Kings and what was another? Prophets. Prophet, priest, and king. These were positions that God saw fit to anoint a man to be in this place so that God could have a relationship with his people. He knew that without anointed ones, there was no way for him to be in relationship with mankind. He wanted to be prophet, priest, and king. However, because of the, the justice of God, because of the, the uh, wrath against sin uh, that God the Father has, every time he tried to speak to these people, does anybody remember what happened in front of the mountain, uh, Mount Horeb, whenever all the people came to hear God speak with their own voice? Anybody remember what happened? The fire came down the mountain and the people, the winds blew, the rocks shattered and the people said, don't speak to us anymore, God. Don't speak to us anymore. Why should we die? I want to look at a few scriptures this morning. Look back with me if you would. First off to Exodus chapter 7, verse 1 through 2. I want to talk about these three anointed things so that you can understand just exactly what Jesus is to us today. The first one, Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. I want to look at the prophet. Exodus 7, verse 1 and 2. Let's see what a prophet does. What is the prophet for? So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh... And Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. So let's see what the job of the prophet is in verse 2. You shall speak all that I command you, 
And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. So according to this verse right here, how does God define the job of a prophet? He said, your job is the messenger. As the prophet, I need somebody that is going to carry my word to the people. God saw fit that it was not going to be possible in all his greatness, in all of his judgment, in all of his wrath, it was not possible for him to come on his own in his fullness of God the Father and speak his own words to these people lest he consume them because God is a consuming fire. So he saw fit that he was going to send a prophet and the job of this prophet was to be a spokesperson who relayed the words and the will of another. If you will go through the book of Exodus, you'll see that Moses would tell, God would tell Moses, I want you to do this and this and this. And then Moses would turn around and say to Aaron, you do this, this, and this. And then Aaron would turn around and say to Pharaoh, here's what you're going to do. And then Aaron would take his rod and he would bring the plagues in and he would do this. Aaron was the prophet of Moses. Moses was the prophet of God. God wanted to speak to us from his own mouth, but he couldn't. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 beginning at verse 23. All the people have gathered around the mountain because they don't need Moses to speak to them anymore, but instead God can speak to us himself. Moses, we don't need you, even though you're the anointed one, even though you're the one that has been appointed and anointed for this position, we can go to God on our own, right? Here's what they thought. Verse 23. So it was when you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness while the mountain was burning with fire that you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Surely the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice from the midst of the fire. And we have seen this day that God speaks with man, yet he still lives. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will what? Consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, then we shall what? You see the need for the prophet? In the fullness of God the Father, he is a consuming fire in all of his glory and all of his might. If he comes to speak to us on his own because of our sin condition, it would consume us. It would take us out in a moment. He goes on. For who is there of all flesh who has heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fires we have and lived you go near and hear all that the Lord our God may say and you tell us all that the Lord our God says to you and we will hear and do it. Then the Lord heard the voice of your words when you spoke to me and the Lord said to me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken to you and listen to what he said. They are right in all that they have spoken. Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and always keep my commandments, that it might be well with them and their children forever. Go and say to them, 
Return to your tents. And here's where the prophet comes in, verse 31. But as for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, and you shall what? And you shall teach them that they may observe them in the land which I am giving them to possess. So here's what I want you to think about this morning. The first anointed position, and I'm gonna move quickly through this because I don't wanna bore you, but I'm gonna try to teach you something this morning. The first appointed and anointed position, the prophet. His job is to take the words of almighty God and to give them to you. That's the reason why today in the church you still have the gift of prophecy. What am I doing this morning? I'm prophesying to you. Is it because I'm telling you what's going to happen in the future? I'm prophesying to you because I'm taking the words of God and then I'm turning around and I'm giving them to you. I am giving you the ways and the will of God the Father according to this word right here. And the first prophet that we see here or the first anointed position that we see is that very thing, the one who will give the words of God and the message of God and teach them the ways of God. And God gave Moses the law and the law was the first thing that the people had ever received that actually told them, here is what God expects of you. How many of you just want to know, God, I want to know everything that you want from me everything. God, I want to walk my life in every way that you mean for me to walk. Any of you ever wanted to say, God, just take control where I can't even do anything wrong? That's the job of the prophet. His job is to give you the words of God. There was no other way for God to do it except through the anointed one. But then we have another position, the second anointed position, the priest. Because of man's sinfulness, remember, God is a consuming fire and he, because of our sin, he would consume us in a moment. And because of our sinfulness, he not only needed someone to tell us all his words and his will so that we can live according to his desire, but he had to have something that would satisfy his wrath. He had to have something that would soothe his wrath toward man. And the first example, or not one of the first examples we see comes from Genesis chapter 8. Verse 20, this is one of the first examples we see of the job of the priest. There's no way to have a relationship with, with God without the prophet. If we hear his voice, what will happen to us? We die. It consumes us. But through the prophet, we can hear it and we can do it. There's no way to have a relationship with God without the priest because of our sin condition unless his anger is soothed then there is no way for us to be at peace with him. So look what happens in Genesis chapter 8 beginning in verse 20. It says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a what? He smelled a soothing aroma. Remember, he's just destroyed the world because of what? Sin. He's angry, ain't he? He's upset. His wrath has just consumed the world. And the only thing that's lived is Noah and the ones that are on this ark. And then Noah gets off the ark 
and he has to do something to soothe the anger of God. So he gives a sacrifice here. And then the Lord said in his heart, look what happened after he gave the sacrifice. I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. <laughs> Although the imagination of man's heart is what? Evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. I'd love to go into that deeper, but I've got too much to cover. One more story. Numbers chapter 16. Go with me to the book of Numbers. Many of you have probably never heard this story before. But I love, love, love what this story represents. Numbers chapter 16, verse 41 through 50. Still talking about the priest. The priest of the job was to stand between God and sinners and soothe the wrath of God. Think about what Noah did. Noah got off the ark and he stands between God and all of the creation that has not been destroyed still on the ark. And he stands there and before anything else is done, he builds an altar and he makes a sacrifice and he sheds blood because the wages of sin is what? Death and blood must be shed in order for God to be satisfied in his wrath. And as the sacrifice is consumed on the altar, the aroma goes up to God and he says, Justice. And he is soothed. And that is the job of the priest because we have angered God. A lot of times in the family, how many of you's mama have acted as priest in your family? stood between you and dad, children, stood between you and dad and, and offered up some kind of sacrifice so that maybe the, the anger of dad could be soothed and then dad would finally go, okay, I'll settle down. Well, this is basically what God is doing. He's being soothed. But look at this story right here. I love this story. This is a perfect representation of what Jesus does for us. A little background of what you need to know on this. All the people of Israel have just come against Moses, or not all of them, but several of the leaders. They've come against Moses and Aaron. Now Moses is the anointed what? Prophet. Aaron is the anointed what? Priest. Moses' job has been appointed by God to speak the words of God to the people. Aaron's job is he's been anointed to stand between God and the people and soothe the anger of God, right? Y'all stay with me now. I promise you it's going to get good. Just you got, you got to know the background. The people have come against Moses and Aaron, a certain group. They come up and they said, we don't need you, we don't need this prophet and this priest to stand between us and God any longer. But now we are holy just like you're holy and we can stand in front of God all by ourselves. It's kind of like a Christian who got saved yesterday and now he comes and says, all right, Jesus, I don't need you anymore. You can just get out of the way. That's what they did to Moses and Aaron. And Moses said, okay, you don't think you need us? Here's what I want you to do. Y'all go get your censers off the altar. And these censers, they would take the fire off the altar and put them in these censers and they would put incense on it. And if you go to Revelations, you'll see that this represented the prayers of the saints going up to God. It was the prayers of our forgiveness being offered up to God. And he said, y'all go get your censers and, and I'll get mine and Aaron will get his and we'll stand before God. And if God has chosen me and Aaron and not you, then here's what will happen. You won't die a natural death, 
but instead the earth will open up and it will consume you and your families and all that you have. And after he spoke, the earth opened its mouth and all those who stood against Aaron and Moses and said, we don't need you anymore, the earth ate them. And then here's what happens next. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Now you would have thought they'd learned their lesson, right? But here's what they're complaining about. They say, you have killed the people of the Lord. See, these were Levites that had come against them. I'm not going to get into all that. These were Levites that had come against them and they were considered the people of the Lord. And they said, you've killed them. But then look what happens next. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared and then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, look what God said, get away from among this congregation that I may what? Consume them in a moment. Picture this in your head. You've got the temple of God. Now, it was the tabernacle at this time. And inside of this thing is the presence of God, and a cloud has just covered it, all right? The people, the only thing that stands between them and the wrath of God is the words of God through the prophet Moses and the sacrifice of God through the priest Aaron. And they're the only things that stand in between and the people are so mad at Moses and Aaron that they charge the tabernacle. And as they're charging, the only thing that stands between is Moses and Aaron. And God says, get out of my way that I can get on them. I'll consume them in a moment. And then look what happens next. And they fell on their faces. Moses and Aaron did. And look what happened in verse 46. So Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put in it from the altar fire and put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them for wrath has gone out from the Lord. And what's them next four words? You gotta see this. Y'all please stay with me. You gotta see this. This is so good. Moses is sitting on the steps of the tabernacle pretty much, let's just say. And the people have come against the, the anointed ones of God. You see this? And Moses looks out and a plague has begun. There's a wave of death that is coming and it's rushing over the people. And people are literally dropping by, by numbers with plague. And they're rotting away. And Moses looks out and he says, oh no. And knowing that he is only the prophet with the words of God, he looks to the priest of God and he says, Aaron, get a censer, get it quick. Get some fire from the altar on it and put incense on top of it and it represents the prayers of forgiveness and run. And Aaron takes off running as fast as he can run and there's a wall of death coming at him. Picture this in your head. He takes no thought for his own life and he runs dead on at the wall of this death and halfway in between it he stops with this censer and he stands it on the ground and he looks the wrath of God in the face and he offers up atonement and he gives sacrifice. 
and halfway in between life and death, the only thing that stops the rest of them from dropping like flies is the priest of God. That's it. Look what happens next. In verse 47. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded. And what did he do? He ran. The plague is coming. It's already begun. And he runs as fast as he can run. And he stops right at the center of death. And he slams his, his censer down. And then look what happens. It says, so he put in, he ran into the midst of the assembly and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and he made atonement for the people and he stood between what? I don't know if y'all see what I see, but when I studied this, I got up and I just, I started pacing the floor. And I said, my God, my God. The wave of God's wrath of death, the plague had already begun. People were dropping like flies because of sin. And the priest of God grabbed the censer and put the fire from the altar in it. And he ran with everything he had. And he went down to a manger and he lived the, the life so that he could be my great high priest. And then he stood between life and death on the cross. And he looked death and the wrath of God in the face and said... No further can you come. And he offers up this soothing aroma from this incense to God and he makes atonement and God, the wave of death says, and it just stops. And God, just like he told Noah, he said, never again, never again will I hold Nick King accountable for that anymore. Never again will I hold Ronnie Dickey accountable for anything he's done in his life. Never again will I curse the ground for his sake. He is completely and utterly forgiven. And this could only take place because of the priest of God. And look what happened. He stood between the dead and the living. So what happened? The plague was stopped. And then keep going with me in verse 49. Now those who died in the plague were 14,700. Do you see how fast this thing was coming? Do you see how close to hell you were? Do you see? This is how close you were to the wrath of God dropping you in a moment. You remember what God said to Moses and Aaron? Get out of the way. Let me consume them in a what? In a moment. Pinky, you were a moment away from dropping from the plague of God. You were a moment away, Ronnie, from busting hell wide open a moment away. You were a moment away from being utterly perishing in a place called hell and the only thing that stood between you and that place was the priest of God that offered up the atonement and stopped the plague in its place. Do you see that? The anointed one. One more place. You know what? I... I'm not even going to go. I'm not even going to go any further. I'm fixing to end this thing. I want you to think about this for a second. When the angels came to these shepherds, they gave one message. They said, "Shepherds, the anointed one is here." 
And I guarantee you these shepherds thought back and they thought the anointed one, one that was like Moses that God prophesied that he would raise up a prophet, an anointed one that would not just give us the law of God that would show, but one that would show us everything there is to know about God. One that would show us and teach us everything that God expects from us. What have I taught you so many times that the will of God is for your life? The will of God for your life is that you be conformed to the image of who? Christ, the anointed one. He came here as prophet to teach you and show you all the words and the ways of God. And when we look at Christ, you see everything that he expects of you and the only thing God asks you to do is walk like Jesus. That's all I want you to do. You don't have a list of rules to follow anymore. Just do what Christ would do. Whoever come up with that saying, what would Jesus do? They was the smartest man that was ever born. What would Jesus do? That is the ultimate question. He is the anointed one. The one that came and stood between you and death and hell in a moment's notice and offered up the prayers of your forgiveness and offered up the atonement for your sins and stopped the plague dead in its tracks. The anointed one if it were not for him, the wrath of God would consume you in a moment because of your sinful ways, because of who you are. And then the last anointed position, I'm not going to even go look at my examples in that, the king. Prophet, priest, king. The king's job was to make sure that there was justice and judgment handed down righteously. The king's job was to make sure that he led them into battle and helped them to show them and fight their enemies for them and conquer their enemies for them. That's the reason why when David, King David slain his how many tens of thousands, the people came back and they rejoiced because their king had done their job. And he wasn't even the official king at that time in their minds. He had been anointed king by God but he was doing his job. And here's where that comes in with you. When the angel comes this morning and says, the anointed one is here, he says, the one that is going to fight your battles for you, he's here. The one that is going to conquer your sin for you, he's here. The one that is going to Judge and make sure that your adversary pays for everything that's been done to you. He's here. We sit back and we complain and moan and groan about all that the world's throwing at us and everything that's happening to us and wah, wah, wah. Well, get over it. Guess what? One day, you won't have to fight with that anymore. And you're going to stand on one side or the other and the only thing that's going to separate whether you're going to moan and complain or you're going to celebrate in heaven is the anointed one. He's it. While you are in this earth, you know what the Bible says? You will have trouble. You will. Get over it. It's coming. But I say to you, it will not always be this way. You know why? The king is here. Yeah. 
And the king is going to conquer all of your enemies. The king is going to overthrow and put all enemies under his feet, but it is not yet. The day is coming when you will conquer and reign with him over every single thing in this world. When the angels came and they looked at the shepherds and they simply said, to you has been born the Christ, to you has been born the Savior, to you has been born the Lord. And, and, and in the Hebrew language, basically what the angel said was, to you has been born the anointed one, the one who is prophet, the one who is priest, the one who is king. I hope today that as you go throughout the rest of this day, you think of exactly what God gave you when he gave you his son. God is a consuming fire that in a moment's notice, his wrath wanted to take you out. Now, yes, he loves you, but let me tell you something. God is all about justice, just as much as he is about mercy and love. He is about holiness just as much as he is about grace. And because of that, there only stands a moment between you and his wrath. And I guarantee you there was a time that just like he looked at Moses and Aaron and said, get out of the way, let me consume him in a minute. I guarantee you there's been a time that he looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, if you'll just step out of the way, I'll take care of this. And Jesus looked and he said, I gotta run and I gotta run quick and I gotta get this incense and I gotta get this atonement and I've gotta stand between the wrath of God and this sinner. And when God breathes that soothing aroma, he stops and he says, never again, never again will I hold you accountable for any of those things. That is the message of Christmas. That is the message that you should receive of what it means that the Messiah, the Christ, is born. This day, he's been born to you, to each and every one that will receive it. My question is this. Are you going to be standing on the side of the grumblers and complainers where the wrath of God is coming at you? Or are you going to be standing on the side of the rejoicers and the shouters because the prophet, the priest, and the king has just soothed the wrath of God and taught you everything you need to know about what God expects from you? If you would, y'all stand this morning. The altar is open for whatever you need. If you have never come into relationship with this prophet, priest, and king, I want to tell you something. He stands at your door and he knocks this morning. And he says, if anyone will open to me, I will come in with him. I will make relationship with him. I will be his prophet and teach him all the words of God. I will be his priest and I will make atonement for his sins and sue the wrath of God. And I will be his king and I will come in and conquer your enemies for you. I stand at the door and I knock. Open to me because this day I've been born to you to make you whole, to make you new.
if you will just open the door and let me in. As we sing, the altar is open for whatever your need is this morning.